hello everybody welcome back to dr me first this is your podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians think we just met in the doctor's lounge and i'm like hey girl hey what's going on and i've recorded the conversation with these amazing colleagues i can't believe it we are on episode number 40 40 episodes since the conception and the ideas floating around this podcast. I am just so elated about it. And I'm so glad that you've hung with me on the journey. If you are enjoying these episodes, make sure that you're sharing them with your female colleagues. And I think this one's going to be a super special one today. This is with Dr. Allison Escalante. She is a pediatrician, but most importantly, she is a phenomenal writer and actually has been giving some TED Talks on her new thought process that she terms should storm. Now, when she first submitted to be on my podcast, I was like, did she mistype that? Did she mean shitstorm? But she'll go in and explain a little bit more exactly what she means about it. But it really is a fascinating conversation. I found myself getting lost and thinking about my own children and how perhaps I could improve my parenting just by hearing her theories. So I'm so excited to share them with you. So listen to our conversation and then hang around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Erin Wiseman. This is Dr. Allison Escalante, and she is going to tell you guys a little bit about herself. Well, I just met Dr. Erin, and she is the sweetest person. Um, but I, uh, I'm the type of person that's always been interested in everything, and I never knew what I wanted to do. So I entered college as a molecular biology major, like everybody who's interested in pre med, um, except at that time I thought I was going to be a scientist. And then I took this amazing course on Mozart operas and how the words and music went together. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. So I jumped ship and I studied medieval Renaissance history with a focus on intellectual and cultural history. Basically, guys, this is how like ideas move through culture and change our behavior, often without us realizing that we have these hidden ideas driving us. So that was great. But then I started to get frustrated because um, I realized that I was working on problems people who had, of people who had been dead for 500 years, and I kind of wanted to work on now. So I was blessed because this was happening at Princeton, and so I was able to then apply for medical school from, from that college with a medieval history degree and, and go to med school. And then, um, of course, um, in the end, I realized that mostly I'm interested in people. And, and how we can be truly, genuinely happy and, and, and well and authentic. So, of course, where did I end up? Pediatrics with the people that are growing, right? Um, and it's interesting how true it is that in pediatrics, our ideas, right, are, are, are the things that really drive our actions, how we think about kids, how we think about what's best for them. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so now I'm a full-time practicing pediatrician and I love that. I do a lot of psychology and psychiatry as well. Um, with, with true humility to my psychiatry colleagues, I absolutely refer when it's out of my league, but I do a lot of that kind of work with families. And now I write and, um, speak about the ideas that are driving us as parents, um, in this, uh, growing epidemic of anxiety that we're seeing. And that's what I'm working on is how to actually help people in effective ways step out of that anxiety so that they and their kids can do well. 
That's amazing. I love it. As you were talking, it was like bringing up my own college memories because I took this class called um, Christianity and the Arts. And I almost changed my major after that because uh, it's so funny because <laughs> to see other things and my family was like, holy shit, you're a biology chemistry major. What are you doing thinking about going into the arts? It's so true because right. we get like lost in these little things. I remember after taking that class, one of the assignments is you had to go to a, uh, a church that was at least 75 years old and um, interpret the stained glass windows. Oh my God, I did 10 churches because I was so fascinated with the stories of stained glass I didn't even know about. So, oh my gosh, I love that you're a Renaissance woman. Oh, I'm so right there with you with all of this stuff. And it's so true. I mean, don't you think we're all a little bit eclectic in our interests and likes? Well, I hope so, because I think it keeps life so much more interesting. And I think what I love about working with kids is that they come with that wide-eyed view, right? In child uh, development, we think early on their intelligence is what we call lantern-like, where they're kind of taking in everything. And they find everything interesting. And when you notice that, you realize if you look around with that kind of awareness, oh my gosh, it's really interesting, right? right? My paper, that pen over there, that speck of dust on the floor, like it's kind of wonderful being alive. It, it is. And personal example, last night, I'm a crocheter. So I was sitting and watching TV and crocheting and my middle four-year-old, he's like, mom, can I have some of your string? You know, which it's yarn, but can I have some of your string? Yeah. I'll be damned. 15 minutes later, I went back there and he had made booby traps for all of his little action figures out of my, I love it. That, my scrap yarn that I had given him and had gotten in so much trouble with it. But it was amazing. I went back there and my husband was getting upset. I was like, no, no, just step away and look at the glorious of this. Right. I love it. So true. Well, let's get into your word. It's an interesting one. When I got it, I was like, hmm, where is she going to go with this? So tell us your word today. Right. So my word is should storm, uh, because I think that this is our big problem right now in a broader culture, uh, but particularly intensified in the culture of parenting. Parenting right now is a storm of shoulds. And um, the problem is the moment that we even think about becoming parents, we get pulled into a culture of criticism and anxiety and perfectionism. And you got to do it just the right way or you're going to mess your kid up. And even worse, parents keep getting the message, you don't really know what you're doing and everybody else kind of knows a little better than you, or at least the people who are producing the shoulds do. Um, And so I think that the should storm is one of the key drivers of the epidemic of anxiety that we're seeing. Erin, have you seen the latest statistics? In the NIH, they're reporting that 30% of our teenagers will meet criteria for anxiety disorder, full-blown. By the age of 18. That number goes up to 40% when we're talking about adding in depression. And the most recent Stress in America survey from the APA reports that 91% of Gen Zers uh, are reporting symptoms, either physical or emotional, of anxiety or depression. That is startling, and it is a number that has really skyrocketed over the last 10 to 15 years. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that parenting is the reason our kids, like not at all, Um, but uh, a style of anxious overparenting 
is contributing to all the stresses on our kids. And it's being pushed by this same wider culture of shoulds. I agree with that. I mean, just seeing it professionally and then also personally in the lives of my friends who've had, who have some older children, mine are still pretty little and oblivious, Mm -hmm. but just talking with them, um, it's a different world. It really is. And I, those statistics, I had seen those. Yeah. And I think it, it's startling, you know, one in one in three kids are going to meet criteria that just hurts my heart. Mm. It, every day, every day in my office, my heart hurts. Yeah. Cause that's just the kids that we, we, we diagnose, right. Um, the level of, um, anxiety, uh, and stress I'm seeing in families that don't quite meet criteria. It, it's hard. It's hard for people right now. So yeah. when you meet these families and these kiddos where they're at, cause it sounds like you come to them and you guys meet on an equal, um, playing field with that. How are you working through this with them? Right. Well, I think that there's what I do in the office, which is going to be a lot more complex. You know how that is. We, we dive into the deep context of each individual family, right? Um, but um, I can speak better to what I'm doing on a wider uh, level, uh, which is um, trying to produce effective advice for people um, who are not directly my patients. Um, and I think that what's happened is that to a large extent, parents are not really in the driver's seat in their own home. Um, they love their kids so much that they are trying to do what's best for them. But every time they try to do something, a should pops in, up in their head. Maybe it's um, that neighbor who said, how could you let your baby cry like that? Don't you know they'll have an attachment wound? Or um, the random lady that came up to my husband. And now it turns out I've heard so many other people in the grocery store to yell at them that their baby didn't have socks on and they're going to get cold feet. Um, it's online. It's everywhere. And so it's, it's well and good to identify that I think a big problem is the should storm. And it's great when I see people have that aha moment. It's not just me. I'm not crazy. I'm not just an anxious person. I'm being driven by something that's encoded by my whole culture. But really, we got to look at how do you step out of that? And that's what, um, that's what my three steps are about. Okay. Well, I'm so interested. I'm just going to make you share your steps right now because as okay. you're talking, I'm like, all right. She's got me on the hook here. It definitely <laughs> is so true. I've been that, that young mom. I was walking out of daycare at our hospital. My kid had kicked his socks off and yeah, had somebody, I think a grandma that was picking up and said, they're going to get a cold. And that's when I informed them that you don't get colds from the cold. But I know exactly what it, thank God I'm empowered enough to stand up for that. Uh, because it is, it is an invisible pressure that's just pressure cooking all of us. So give me your tips. Sure. But I do have to speak to that because I think a lot of my patients seem to believe that as doctors and especially as pediatricians or family practice who have some child training, we're immune to this stress. We know better somehow. But I would say to my field female colleagues, I think it's just as bad, if not worse for us, because we're a whole bunch of perfectionistic, high achieving, I can do it even when nobody else can people. And so I think that we uh, really need this help too. Okay. The three steps. Yeah. We put our own pressure plus the pressure of the world. I agree. Yes. Yes. Plus we worry about weird, rare stuff, right? Oh my God. I believe a lot of zebras live in my house sometimes. (laughs) Oh, they're everywhere lurking in the corners. (laughs) Um, 
the only thing worse than a should is not being sure. When we're unsure, um, we, we get really, really anxious. So even when we don't know what to do, we look for a should to guide us, right? And those shoulds really burden us, um, but that's what we do. So whenever you feel not sure or you feel a should, sigh. Take a big breath in your belly and let it go long and slow. See. See your child. See their body language. See the situation. See if they look angry. See if they look happy. Do they look like they're about to cry? And then and only then start. You could start something. You can start nothing. Or you can start the wrong thing. Because if you get it right, that's fabulous. Now you get to file that one away as a learn, right? But if you get it wrong, you might trigger a should. You might be like, oh, I should have done it differently. But that's when you sigh, see, and start again. And I can see from the way you're nodding that you're picking into some of the science that's actually built into this very simple method. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking about that. We do balloon breaths at our house a lot. Yeah. A yeah. lot of balloon breaths in the wise right. household. So yes, we, we do this, the, uh, not evidently sigh, I would say the breathing. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, you know, if you've, uh, if you've seen polyvagal theory, uh, out of neuroscience, it looks like the key point is the long, slow out breath. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that sighs are biologically a natural way of doing that. Um, and it's easy for people to remember. It's much harder for people to say, oh, I've got to do a long, slow out breath, right? But just... You do that naturally. And when you do, you move out of the fight or flight centers into the calm and connected uh, centers in the ventral vagus nerve area. So, so that's kind of cool. Yes. It's a little biohack. I love, I love you got got some neuroanatomy in there for us. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then, I mean, you can easily recognize that C is a mindfulness technique, right? But most of us, um, you know, the studies on mindfulness are very promising, right? But most of those studies for parents specifically, they put them in like a week-long intensive mindfulness retreat, right? And, and then um, that's great, but uh, that is not a useful intervention for the, ma- the major population. Ain't nobody right? got time for that. No. And even people who I know who do practice mindfulness, which I certainly try to, um, I don't get to meditate every day. And even when I do, I don't always remember to use it when my kid is screaming at me, right? I get tense. I get worried, my shoulders go up by my ears, and I feel like I'm being attacked, and I, I want to either fight or flight, right? <laughs> so so uh, C is cool because it's a quick and dirty way to get mindful under pressure. So I sigh, and then I see. And that's cool because that gets my power back. That gets me back into my body. That gets me back into leadership, um, which we know, we both know how good our kids are at, at taking the leadership away, right? <laughs> they try. They definitely yeah. do. I, I yeah. love the um, the Instagram post that's like says, "I hope my child uses their leadership skills to be a CEO of a company instead of a, a, a gang in jail." <laughs> I love it. I love cool. it. Um, but my favorite step is the start step because that's where we get into a direct intervention against the perfectionistic criticism culture, right? So now all of a sudden your automatic parenting style is employing your mistakes as a learning technique, right? And um, immediately you start, I mean, we can use buzzwords. We can use words like resilience, mindset, growth mindset, 
um, open-minded, et cetera. But basically that's what it is. It's like, I'm going to stop shooting all over myself. I'm going to stop criticizing myself constantly, which then spills over to me constantly criticizing my kids with you. You do. That's what happens, right? No matter how hard you try. And I'm just going to accept that I make a lot of mistakes and that's how I learn. And what's amazing is how quickly our kids pick up on that and start to have more space for who they are too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. awesome. When, yeah. when did you develop all of this or, or, or how did this all come together for you? So this is 10 years of work for me. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I was blessed. I, I trained at some high power programs, Duke and University of Chicago, um, which uh, are really well aligned for going into um, specialty and research. And, you know, um, but uh, ended up uh, disappointing all my advisors by going into primary care, <laughs> throwing myself away. Um, but I love it. And I love it because I can bring my real self to primary care and I can bring all of that um, interest and understanding in, in behavior and humanity. Plus, what's so great about general pediatrics is that we're doing uh, child development. You get to get in there and help people uh, right from the beginning and set the tone before it's all falling apart. So that's, I love growing people, right? And uh, I love the way the parents are growing just as much as the kids are. So anyway, didn't take me long to realize there was a huge problem, right? So uh, quick story, um, probably my first week in practice, right? I had just been in an ICU rotation, seeing like the worst of the worst, right? With high, high level medicine and all that stuff. I come out and they show me around the new practice and they're like, hey, this is how we pierce ears. And I'm like, what? Like I got an MD to pierce ears? What are we talking about here? Are you kidding me? Um, but okay, I learned how to do it, whatever. Um, and uh, that first year, I saw an unbelievable number of serious and like really significant ear infections, earlobe infections from mall piercings. And even worse, I had to cut several earrings out of people's ears that had embedded because of those uh, low quality um, earrings they get at the mall. So after that, I started saying, please let me pierce your your, your child's ear. <laughs> but yeah. what I learned is that the little things really do matter. Yeah. Just a little bit of sterile field and some good high quality <laughs> earrings. I love and it. I, I do so realize that because you yeah. get to take, you get to take the, the massive amount of research and all the studying and you are the hands and feet that get to deliver it right to the people who need it. I love it. Yeah. And so I guess that's a metaphor for the same sort of thing, realizing that all the stuff that I was told mattered most in the end, where the crisis was, was in, um, in how people were doing. And so many of the physical problems I deal with every day are actually, um, you know, somatization from anxiety, right? Real physical pain, but the, 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 the source of the pain is, is the emotional struggle. I can um, relate a hundred percent with that. When yeah. I started incorporating life coaching into my family mm-hmm. medicine practice, it was like somebody had just amped up the electricity, you know, and, and I was giving away reading resources instead of SSRIs and mm-hmm. it just made such a huge difference. Yeah. And I think, I think that's it, but I think that, um, so often, um, people either like the way that we're set up financially with the insurance system. Um, it might be great for everybody to go get uh, six months of therapy for their kids. I remember one study that showed that if you put 13 year olds in therapy for six months, 
whether or not they have problems, they do much better for like the next 10 years. Um, but there's no money for that. And there's no time for that. So I was looking at what can I do for the majority of people who are not able to access that stuff or the crisis isn't bad enough for them to buy into that, um, that can make a difference right now in their day to day. And, and that's what I've been studying for 10 years. And then I finally came on something and I'm like, holy crow. And this, is, this story is told in my TEDx talk. But uh, at one point, I shared this three steps with uh, a mother. It just kind of came out of me. And um, she came back a month later and said, um, this always moves me so much. She said, um, before I had only anxiety and, and now I have confidence. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've really got something here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if my listeners are hearing this, just like I am, what is going to be the best way for them to get more or to find out about C and start, or you got a book deal in the process? Tell us all about what you're doing. Well, I hope I have a book deal in the process. So if any agents are listening, I'm actively looking for a book agent. Um, and the book will be Should Storm. Um, why worried parents raise worried kids and what we can do about it. Um, but uh, the first place to learn about this in a little more detail is my TEDx talk. So if you uh, search that on YouTube, um, the, the title is The Parenting Should Storm. Um, and then my website, which is about to be totally upgraded. Um, so if you look today, it's still going to be the old school, but it's going to be really good in a couple weeks, is uh, theprimarycarer.com. Um, and pretty soon I should set it up so that um, if you put, if you type my name in um, like allisonescalante.com, that should hopefully direct to my website as well. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I even host a group for parents wanting to explore should free parenting. And that group on Facebook is called should storm. Um, and that's public. You guys can join us if you're interested. Um, we'd love to have you. Um, and uh, on Pinterest, that's where I post the toolkit. Because what we want to do is we want to move all those shoulds um, that some of which is actually good parenting advice. And we want to put that into our toolkit so that we're deciding what we use when. And I post tons of articles on Pinterest to help parents with that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I have learned so much today in 30 minutes. And I am just excited to bring it into my own world, into the world of the patients that I'm working with, and to share it to all our listeners today. So I just bless you moving forward. This is going to be big stuff. I know it is. I'm going to be behind you pushing your ass forward. Oh my gosh, Erin, I hope you do. We all need a little bit more of Dr. Allison in our lives. I know I wish I could take her home with me when it's a total should storm at my house with my three kids. But I really loved our conversation. And then afterwards, I got on her website and actually gleaned a lot of great information, looked through her blogs, and just felt totally surrounded by a fellow physician mom who's trying to make the world a better place three S's at a time. Don't you love that? Sigh, see, and start. Well, one of the things that Dr. Allison has on her blog that I want to read to you, the moment that parenthood approaches, we get pulled in a storm of shoulds. We should do this, we should do that, and definitely should not do the other thing. It makes us anxious and restless. It drives us to work really hard for our kids, but it steals our joy. We are told that everything we do matters and that we will harm our kids if we mess it all up. For just a moment, 
we can step out of the should storm. We might just notice the twinkle in our child's eyes when they notice something interesting, and that's where life really happens. So good, Dr. Allison. Thank you so much for sharing your theory of should storm. And go out and check the show notes for all of her links and her TED Talks. Remember to sigh, see, and start. As always, people, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Bye.